himself into our land which is awesome and he just uh, you know he never give us more than we can handle and that's one thing that I have uh, <laughs> might seem like we can handle but we can you know with a lot of with all of we can do anything so tomorrow morning um, it will be at Planned Parenthood again um, from 9 to 12 and then uh, at night you will get the nighttime vigil I think it's like Go there, there at six. The vigil, the candlelight vigil is at seven. So we've been going the past couple of weeks doing worship and praying, and you know, God is so awesome. I mean, we've been come and they turn around and they give, we hand them out flyers <coughs> to see what they can do to you know, save the babies. God is awesome. <coughs> So if you guys like do that, they're gonna be there tomorrow. Um, by the police station. Yeah, yeah, by the police station, very ten. You know what? So I take my speaker, guitar, you know, the music stand, everything, and I'm like, Lord, if I don't want parking right in front, I'm just gonna keep driving. Twice, and I'm like, right there, I didn't stop. Oh, I'm alone. You know. So God, he. The little things, the Lord, He swept the little things on all He had. You know what I mean? He's so intent and so loving. What else we got? We got, um, oh, anybody saw Unplanned? I mean, that whole movie was just incredible. I mean, we went there, one sister gave us two tickets. Wow. And that was Unplanned too, right? Yeah. There's a drummer, man. But what's so funny that you hear about Twitter, right? So Twitter shut down their uh, website, right, for the thing. And when they brought them back up, in the next the next day, they had more um, followers than uh, Fan Target. So unplanned, they were only like one month up and over 300 something thousand uh, followers. Well, I think unplanned was going down, it was like, uh, Fan Target was like 260,000. 
So Twitter tried to shut down their account and shut all the things down, but the law is there. Open them up and now it's going to the roof. I mean, the law is so faithful. And now we get, you know, judges and people in place who can actually right the wrongs, right, that the previous uh, administrations have done. So, you know, God is still alive and he's still working on the behalf of the children. I mean, he knows that even before they're born, yes? He knew us even before that. Even before the foundations of the world, he knew us. I don't know how he did or does, does all of that, but we, we trust in him, we trust his word and what he said. And I know a lot of Yeah. Because they're not real people. Yeah, so it's yeah. not the some people look at the quality of life. But it's not about the quality of life, it's about the sanctity of life. Yeah. We are made in the image of God yes, and that life is brought forth only through God. Yeah. And it doesn't become a living being after it's living from the egg and the sperm. It's living and when you connect, it's living it's living all the way through. Yes. <laughs> and it's always human. You can take out the DNA. And it's a human being. It'll never come on anything else. So we pray the Lord might end the worship here and abroad. You know, it's a it's a lofty task, but our God is large and in charge, right? That's what Pastor Wax always is. But he is. So tonight we're gonna look at a few verses from Abraham's life and then from his son Ishmael. So let us bless our Torah tonight. Barifu et Adonai Ramevora Baruch Adonai Ramevora Baruch Adonai Ramevora Baruch Adonai Ramevora Abba, we look to you, the Father of all. And we thank you for continuing your faithfulness towards us and how you've kept your word on, as you said, not one yod or not one tittle the smallest piece of the Hebrew alphabet, but we'd be lost in the word. And you have remained true to that, Lord. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your New Testament, your Seeing the covenant, brother, which you've uh, established in your word through Yeshua Messiah. And most of all, we thank you for a Savior who came down for us, who was lovely, who is holy, and who is awesome, who is God. So thank you, Father, for sending your Son, that he might make us the inheritance. He has adopted us into the family of God. Oh, what a family it is there. We thank you for the Ohana that you've given us. In Yeshua's mighty name. And we all sing. Amen. Amen. So last week, we've covered uh, the death of Abraham. He's going to review a little bit. So Abraham's life covered uh, maybe 12, 13 chapters. And God has truly blessed him in many ways. You have that picture So last week, we found out that the father of the multitudes was lonely <laughs> why was he lonely anybody know why he was lonely first his wife Sarah she passed away so it was just him and Yitzhak so Yitzhak 
his son just got married at age 40 and moved away. He moved uh, several miles away from his father. So the father of the multitude is now lonely. He's now taking another wife. Her name was Ketura, which means fragrant. I mean, to him, she must have been fragrant. So verse 1 had said, by Yosef Abraham, then again Abraham, by Yichak Ishab. Yichak is a taking, took. He took a wife. That's the same word for the catching away of the church. Yichak. Yichak. And he says, Ushma Keturah, whose name was Keturah. So we saw the six sons was established in that passage of Abraham from Keturah. We also saw he had grandchildren. What Moses or Moshe wanted to do was to show this lineage for the distinct purpose of how Yehovah has blessed Abraham with many nations that were birthed by this one genealogy. What the rabbis taught also was that Keturah was Hagar. That's what they teach. But logically, she can't be, and Torah does not teach that, but it's, it is their own. One of their teachings that Keturah is Hagar. Then we looked at verses 5 and 6 and it said, Abraham gave all the inheritance to Yitzchak. Everything to Yitzchak. And he said, and gave gifts to all the sons of Keturah. So he gave everything, the inheritance to Isaac. And he gave gifts, parting gifts to all the sons of Keturah and sent them away eastward. So they went eastward and they had formed several Arab countries. Now he did all of this while he was still alive so that there were no misunderstanding that Isaac or Yitzchak was the promised seed. Again, Abraham is a type of the father in heaven and Yitzchak, his son Isaac, is a type of Yeshua. So the father gave all to Yeshua just as the fullness of the sevenfold blessing of the spirit of Jehovah, which is found in Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, the spirit of the Lord. Now all the Father had, He gave to Yeshua. This is reiterating what we went through last week. The Father gave, one of the things that the Father gave to Yeshua was all of us. All of us believers were gifts to Yeshua. We're a gift from God the Father to God the Son. So you know how people say we're, you didn't give God's gift. You actually are God's gift. You're God's gift from the Father to the Son. I'd like to read a quick passage here from um, John 6, John 6, 37 to 40. It says, Everyone whom the Father gives to me, this is Yeshua talking, will come to me. And the one who comes to me will I never throw out, because I have come down from heaven, not that I should do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. Now this is the will of the one who sent me that everyone whom he has given me, so you guys are gifts, you guys are like awesome, given me, I will not lose any of them, but raise them up on the last day. So for believers, only believers are gifts, and these gifts, the Lord will bring with him up to heaven on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him would have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So he's saying that when we believe in Yeshua, we are a gift to the to the Son. In John 17, 6, 
He says, I have revealed your name to men who you gave me out of the world. So Yeshua is saying, I went out to the people, your people, Am Israel, and revealed your name to men who you, Father, gave me out of the world. They, the people, all who will believe, were yours. And you have given them to me. And they have kept your word. So if you're a believer today, you're a lovely gift to the Son. And he goes on in verse 9. He says, I am asking on behalf of them. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you have given me, because they are yours. <coughs> so the main thing that we can see in that passage, that we are a gift from God the Father to God the Son. Isn't that awesome? We cannot ever be snatched out of the hand of either the Father or the Son. So that is one thing that we can rest in and know that, oh, does God love me? I did this or that. He loved you when you were a sinner and hated you. And He will continue loving while you're with Him. Another thing He says about believers that we looked at last week, that we are the Messiah's inheritance. So Yeshua has inherited us as believers. So we are a gift and an inheritance according to Ephesians 1.18. So we are the bride of Yeshua. We are His church and we are in, in inheritance to Him. So when He comes back, He will take His bride off of the earth. While Israel is the wife of Yehovah. So there's two things. The church is the bride of Christ. Israel is the wife of Jehovah. So the Bible also says we're in possession of every spiritual gift, every spiritual blessing. We are heirs. And another, this beautiful thing right here is we are united to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Passages, many passages say that the triune, the triunity of God lives within us. And we live within the triunity of God. So this... Uh, I don't know how all that works out in in real life, but it'll take us an eternity to understand the uh, inner workings of God's uh, program. And we are in possession of every spiritual blessing. So Abraham dies, and the, and the word says he's gathered unto his people, which is the center of the earth, the Shehob. We're going to look at that um, little later on. So he died, and he's buried in the cave of Machpelah, that little orange part over there, which he purchased when Sarah died. That was the first land that he bought of the promised land. Now, he owned all of the land, but this is the first land that he actually uh, owned. But he laid down his first stakes in Beersheba, the city of the seven wells. So Abraham is gone, but Adonai's program will continue. No leader or for, for that matter, none of us believers are indispensable. Yehovah's program to bless the world to the Messiah will continue to grow and expand from that generation to this generation and beyond us. And each of us as the Lord's servants must do all we can to ensure the ongoing work of our Lord. So we all have a part to play. We all not all on the hands, not all on the feet, but together we can do beautiful work for the Lord. But we must remember the work is bigger than any of us because we serve a big God. So he passed on, and there's this uh, his genealogy. 
This is what Abraham actually ended up producing. And this is only up to uh, 2,000 years, right? So after you extrapolate that out, we get 7 billion people today. How many uh, sands of the seas do we have? How many stars do we have? That, that's the analogy of what was say. His lineage will be that long. So that section with Abraham spanned from Genesis 11 to Genesis 25 11. And what it concerned was the total of Terah. Terah was Abraham's father. And total means the written account of the generation of Terah. So tonight what we're going to look at is the eighth total, the written account of the generations of Ishmael. So you're wondering, what is a toldo? A toldo is named after a person, but it is not about that person. But it's about what happens concerning that person's descendants. So Terak's toldo, the story of Terak, it wasn't about Terak. It what happens to him was his lineage concerning Abraham. So there are 11 toldots, and toldots is again translated as genealogy, which are family records that Moses, uh, Moshe, Moses had compiled to relate to us, to all who read the Torah today, a detailed genealogical outline of not only humanity, but Jehovah's distinct people. So the first one was the toldot of the heavens and the earth. What became of that? Adam and Chava. Adam, what became of Adam was Noah. Noah, the son, Shem. And we down to Terah was Abraham. And so tonight we're going to look at Ishmael. And then we just look a little bit at Isaac. So there are 11 of these. And if you can memorize these, you know the genealogy, you know where Yeshua comes from, you can be like, awesome. But this is just to show how we can follow in God's words, God's plan, how. Uh, men have been born into the promise of that. Well, again, the major purpose in Genesis 12 through 25 is that the promise of Yehovah is the son of Sarah, and that is Yitzhak. Not the son of Hagar, which is Ishmael, and not the sons of Keturah. Isaac is the elect seed of Abraham. And one more thing, this section announces the end of the unreal era. The death of Abraham brings out a major, uh, this major section comes to a close. It's a pretty significant event. So Genesis, we go back, Genesis 1 through 11 is a primeval history. So it goes from Genesis 1, 1, where creation was made, and then we see Genesis 1, 2 as where Satan fell. And then when he fell, we feel that way because he talks about tohu vavohu. Whenever tohu vavohu is used together, it's always a judgment from God, tohu vavohu. But when they're used separately, it's not. But here, it is used together, and it is a judgment of God. So believe that um, Genesis 1, he created. Genesis 1, 2, Satan fell as long, along with creation. And then there's a creation of the heavens and the earth the animals and man and woman and then sin came along right and then now we're at the 
Sodom and Gomorrah, just all these things in number in Genesis 12 to 25. It shows the uh, events of the first patriarch. And then Genesis 25 through 50 will be the second and third patriarchs of the world. So we must remember, Abraham is the father of us all. In fact, Abraham is the father of the three major religions in the world. Right? Judaism, uh, Islam, and Christianity. We make up the bulk of the population of the world. So the Lord wasn't kidding. So you got the next one. So Abraham's trek started from all the way down on the left from Ur of the Chaldees. He was called, he went up to Haran. His father died there, his brother Haran died there, then he moved down with Lot to Canaan. And then he passed away in the cave of Machpelah. So we go to Genesis 25 verse 12. And this is where we see the word Toldot coming. Uh, Genesis 25 verse 12. It says, Ve'ele Toldot Ishmael. He says, now these are the records of the generations of Ishmael. These four words in Hebrew need ten English words to translate. So you see, the Hebrew language is very economical. You don't have to use too much words. Hawaiian language is like that too. Very economical. You don't have to use planning words like big house or big red house. <laughs> we don't have to use all the pointers or whatever, just even beat the house. <laughs> Simple, very economical. In fact, I saw something on YouTube about Pidgin. And Pidgin is a conglomeration of different languages and how they can communicate with each other. So Hawaii had like Hawaiian, Filipino, Chinese, uh, Japanese, Spanish, Marines. We had a one. So Pidgin is an amazing language. So he goes on to say, Abraham's sons, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarazmi, bore to Abraham. And these are the names of the son of Ishmael, by their names in order of their birth. So the first one is Nebaot, or Nebaiot, which means fruitful. This one is the firstborn of Ishmael. So these people, the first one, are the Nabataeans. Anybody know the Nabataeans? These people built the city of Basra. Now Basra is founded on Mount Seir um, in Jordan. So this was on my bucket list, yeah? Um, and this place will play a major role in saving all of Israel in this city. So this city, the Antichrist will attack Israel, uh, Jerusalem, and then they would all run down to this city, Basra. It's a far trek. I don't know how they're gonna make it all the way down there. And there, the armies would chase Israel down to here. But you see, when you walk in, you see how narrow it actually gets so narrow that only one, like only one donkey can fit you when you get real close to the opening on the inside. So it's very defensible. And this is where they're gonna run in. And the armies of the great tribulation will chase Israel to this spot. And when they get inside, they're gonna call upon Yeshua. They'll say, And this is where they will uh, receive Messiah as a nation. So today, Israel, uh, Jews can come to believe in Yeshua independently, one at a time. But there's gonna come a time in the tribulation, when all of Israel, the Bible says, will be saved, and they will call upon His name. 
praise the Lord. So this is, we were out there. So this is called Basra, the sheepfold. So when you go in, it's huge. All of Israel can fit inside here. So they, they, it's a huge place. It's a sheepfold for <laughs> a shepherd's sheep. Yeah, these are like little caves. So people have been placing Bibles and stuff. Because in the, in the last days, not like Bibles. But they're putting things in all of these caves out there. So when the day comes and people run there, they will say, Baruch Haba Hashem Adonai. Now, what happened? So Yeshua, oh, she got captured. <laughs> so this is the sheepfold. This is only a small section. You know, it's like huge. They're all going to come in here, and as a nation, they will cry out to the Lord. Blessed is He who comes into the name, who comes in the name of the Lord. Yeah, singing in there. Oh, yeah, that was wow. unbelievable. They hewed out all these mountain rocks, they hewed out everything by hand, these people. And actually, they brought water in for miles away. They made their own plumbing system all the way to the inside, so there's so much water in there, you need to be. Yeah, electricity, cable, everything. But the best way to walk down there is McDonald's. Camel, or no. yes. <laughs> Camel and a uh, horse. Man, it's a, it's a trip. It's like almost two miles in. And then you walk down, it's not too bad. But after you walk all the way, you come out and you try to come back. It's like, oh my gosh. And by the time you're in the sky. Oh, yeah, the sun is peaking and you're just dreading. So what happened when Yeshua came? He did his deeds, and Israel, as a nation, rejected him. Israel committed the unpardonable sin that was committed in Matthew 12. Everybody know what the unpardonable sin was, right? The unpardonable sin was is Israel's religious leaders rejected Yeshua while he was physically present. So God the Son in the flesh was with them, and they rejected him on the basis of demon possession. That's what the unpardonable sin is. So no one can commit that sin today. Okay? Because Yeshua is not present today to reject it. So no one can commit that sin today. And what he did was he offered the kingdom to Israel then. <clears throat> but because they were an evil and adulterous generation, he rescinded the offer and he's going to re-offer it during the tribulation when they run down to this place they say that's what he wanted so why did Yeshua at his first coming leave planet earth why did he leave if you turn with me to Hosea 5.15 Yeshua comes the first time there was many prophecies saying he would come but why did he leave Hosea 5.15 says, I will return again to my place until, what? They acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In my distress, they will search for me. So what he's saying is, I came in the flesh, they rejected me. Which was awesome for us Gentiles, right? Their rejection was out that he could now go out to the Samaritans, and then to the Gentile world, because the gospel is to the Jew first, and that's why we, as the 
believers always go to the Jew first. This is Jesus did, this is Paul did. So you go to the Jew, then you went to Samaria, and then to the other ends of the world. And he's not going to come back until they acknowledge that one sin, that they rejected him. And Matthew 23 says, 36 to 39, Matthew 23, 36 says, Truly I say to you, all these things will come, will come upon this generation. He's saying that the temple is going to be knocked down. Guaranteed. And it happened. Verse 37, he says, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How many times I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her young together under her wings. But you are not willing. Behold, your house has been left to you desolate. For I tell you, so he's saying, you will never see me now or until the day you say what? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's why he says, Baruch Hashem So the scripture is so exact, right? So, I mean, you cannot be mistaken unless you're, you have uh, Trump derangement syndrome and you cannot see anything in scripture. So it goes on to say in the text in uh, verse 13, and Kedar, so there's Nabaot, where the Nabataeans, then Kedar. Kedar means dusky skin, dark skin, which is mostly used for tents. So these would represent Bedouin people, the Bedouins. And then there's the next one, Adbe'el, which means chastise of God, and Bivsam, which means fragrance, Bishma, Duma, Masa, which is burden. Verse 15 says Kadad, which is fierce. Tema, Jetor means encircled, and Nafish means refreshed. There's almost sound like refreshed. And Kedma, which means precedence. And it says, These are the sons of Ishmael. And these are their names by their villages and by their camps. Twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered unto his people. Or well, he went to the realm of the dead. You got that picture, Mom? The awesome picture. <laughs> the unreal graphic artist picture. Yeah. This is like last minute. This is Sheho. <laughs> now the Bible says in Matthew 12 40, Sheho is in the heart of the earth. So the Old Testament was Sheho. New Testament Greek is Hades. Hades, okay? So even though this is the same phrase he was gathered unto his people to describe the death of Abraham. It does not mean that they believed in the same God. Okay? Shiho was a place for both believers and unbelievers. And what we learn about from the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You guys know that story? It's a true story. Okay? So the Lord telling us a true story. So it says um, a passage in Luke 16, 19 to 26. So read it pretty fast, guys. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple, that's a, a regal 
attire and fine living and lived in a luxury every single day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Poor guy, never had welfare yet back then. But today, if you cross the border, you get free health care. Um, you get everything free now. You think you get free college tuition coming up, free uh, housing, free everything. But back then, no, they never had that. Socialism wasn't ruling, wasn't ruling the day. Then came, then time came when the bigger died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. So the Abraham's side. So the Bible talks about a chasm in between. And Abraham's side of Abraham, the side of Abraham is his bosom. So that's one side of Hades or Sheol. And the other side is different. The rich man also died and was buried in hell. So Hades is hell. Where he was in torment. So there's a, see that one? Hard to tell. That's my writing. That's my finger. I don't want, what is that thing called? Stylist. I don't know. I'm not stylish. Anyway, in torment is where all of the unbelievers go. Unbelieving humans go to torment, and all believers go into Abraham's bosom. And this is where Yeshua said paradise. So Abraham's bosom and paradise are the same place. So the rich man died and was buried. He was in torment. So now you, you see, it's not torture. Yeah, people go, why would God send people to hell and be tortured? God does not torture anyone. This torment is brought on by the person's own will when they chose not to believe in Yeshua. That's the torment. It's nothing to do with God. It was a compartment made for Satan and his minions. But since we fell and some people, some of us didn't want to listen, torment. So it's not torture. So people say torture. They say, no, no, no. They're tormented by their bad choices, right? We can make the choice, but we cannot uh, figure out the consequences. The consequences is God's. We can choose God or not, and he can say torment or Abraham's bosom. So he was in torment. He looked up. He saw Abraham from afar away with Lazarus by his side. He's like, Father Abraham, he's calling you Father. He has respect for him. Have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. So we can take from that it's hot and being thirsty then. Son, remember, Abraham replied, that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you're in agony. And besides all this, between us, me and Lazarus and everybody here, and you, there's a great chasm. You see that chasm? It's a pretty great chasm. <laughs> there's a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to there cannot. Nor you, so you cannot, it's an impassable chasm that you cannot pass. And no one can cross over. So Abraham and Ishmael, went to Sheol. But where did they go in Sheol? <laughs> we know that Abraham loved his son. All of his sons. And like the rich man, he ended up in torment. 
which separated him from the Father. So torment is where humans go. The abyss. Anybody heard the abyss? Yeah, the abyss is where the demons didn't want to go, right? He said, like, oh, remember he had uh, a swine, right? The 2,000 swine. Oh, you would choose see the pigs. Yeah? And then, I mean, the pigs was more holy than human, right? The demons go in there, and they're like, hell no, I ain't living with demons in me. And they all off the cliff into the abyss. But what's going to happen is, or that, what they say, that's devil ham or something. <laughs> so they're in the abyss, and you know, but the abyss is a temporary confinement. So in, uh, in Revelations 9-11, they have a king over them, Apollyon and Abaddon. One day, God going to use the abyss to judge the people of the world. People going to want to die, but they cannot. You will jump off a building, you're going to be all passed out, but you're not going to die. You can swallow poison. You're going to be all jacked inside, but you're not going to die. People will cry for the mountains. So the king over them is called Apollyon or Abaddon. You guys heard of those names? Yeah. Now one of the things in Revelation 9-11, the Jehovah Witnesses believe that that's Jesus Christ. But if you look up the Greek and the Hebrew, so the Greek is Apollyon and the Hebrew is Abaddon. And they're both maleficent, bad demons. So the Jehovah Witnesses at one point believed that was bad demons. But in 1995, they said, it's none other than Jesus Christ. So, Jehovah's Witness, they like worshiping Satan today. So, if you ever got to look up Revelation 9 11, when Jehovah's Witness, you got to shock them, you got shock treatment. So, Tartarus, anybody know what Tartarus is? Tartarus is where in Genesis 6, when these angels left their proper habitation and had relations with women, they took wives for themselves. And what happened? Because of that, the Lord threw them into Tartarus. And that is uh, permanent. Abyss is temporary. Tartarus is permanent. So when Yeshua came down, that place was full. Was full with people. And Abraham and Otto Ohana was there, and that's when they were gathered. But when Yeshua came, he went down there. Uh, Peter talks about he preached to those who were captive. So he told the people in Abraham's bosom, I am your Messiah that you waited for. And he looked across the chasm, as I am the Messiah that you didn't wait for. So now you guys chose your guys' destination. The point about this is, this should give us this drive to go out and share the good news even with your enemies strangers but most of all your family because God has made a way for us to have this beautiful reunion in heaven anybody who believes Ephesians 4 8-10 says therefore it says ascending on high he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men so when Yeshua came, he died, and when he ascended, he emptied out Abraham's bosom. So Abraham's bosom is now empty. So when believers die, where, where do we go? Where? No. Anybody else? When we die, so to be absent from the body, 
you'll be present with the Lord. So when we die, you go right into the your last thing that you knock out, you close your eyes, and you, the first thing you will see is Yeshua. And Yeshua will be standing up waiting to receive you. He's in, he'll be uh, honored to have you with him. He's paying the price. He's like, he bought your ticket and he just waiting for you to show up. But some of us here are not going to die. Some of us will be caught up in the rapture. Verse 9 says, Now he who ascended, what does that mean? Except that he also descended into the lower regions, the center of the earth, and the one who descended himself is also the one who ascended above all the heavens in order that he might fulfill all things. God's plan is perfect. All believers bypass Abraham's bosom. We don't go down. We go straight up into his presence. Which is an awesome thing. And then what happens in the end? It says death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. So the Tartarus, they don't be thrown straight. No judgment. The abyss, after they do all their things, they will be back into the abyss. What could happen to those guys in torment? The humans. They're going to get the great white throne judgment. Now the thing about salvation, the resurrection, God dealt, He wanted our bodies. Our bodies means a lot to Him. Now the torment guys, they will get resurrected. They're going to have resurrected bodies. And what it says, they're going to have weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. So in order to weep, you need eyes, you need eye sockets, you can gnash your teeth, you need teeth, muscle, everything. So they're going to get back their bodies and they're going to be thrown with them into the outermost of the universe. So they said the black hole they found, how there he was, 50 million light years away. <coughs> So I don't know, but it's 200 million light years away will be the lake of fire and the, the degree of fire will be different for people. So like Hitler will be, you know, 3,000 degrees, but you will feel it with your body forever. There's, there will never be any end. On earth, you can break your leg, when heal, open the window, you see a beautiful flower, but you'll be in a black hole that's hot. You saw the black hole. It looked like having fire around me. That's pretty cool. But the last verse says, um, they, they settled from Habilah to Shur, which is the east of Egypt, as one goes toward Assyria. He settled in defiance of all his relatives. Isaac's son. So, read the next picture off. So this is all the area that um, Ishmael's children um, have taken. So he had um, what, 12, 12 sons. This says uh, Jacob would have 12 sons. So if we look at this, this is present day map, the land belonging to the tribe of Ishmael, the northern part of Saudi Arabia, southeastern Jordan, Southern Assyria, which is uh, southern Iraq and Kuwait. So go to the next one. So they live in Jordan, Kuwait, which is around the Ur of Chaldees. Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. So all of these Arab countries 
came up from uh, Abraham. Now Ishmael was the son of the flesh, right? The Bible calls it in Galatians. Well, uh, Isaac was the son of promise. So the sons of the flesh are always, always having um, antagonism towards the son of promise. Just like Ishmael never came to, to the uh, point of accepting that Isaac was the promised son of God, the promised seed of God, that he would be the one to carry on the lineage. So he never accepted them. And that's why Ishmael today, most scholars believe in me too, that he is in torment. So whoever doesn't believe the Lord goes into torment. So um, this was Ishmael's told up. So what became of Ishmael was his 12 sons that the Lord has said. So in um, Genesis 17, 20, even though Ishmael was not the son of promise, Adonai was faithful to his word when he said, this is what he said in uh, Genesis 17, 20. I will make Ishmael, I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. So the Lord knew that he was going to have 12 sons. See how the Lord, nothing is happenstance. That's why there's no such thing as luck for a Christian. Or just so happy, coincidence. Everything is predestined, right? God has his plan. So here the reason for putting the death of Ishmael just before the death of Yitzhak is that Jehovah wanted to dispense with the non-seed line. He wanted to get that out of the way. He dealt with it, got that out of the way before dealing with the true seed line. Yitzhak, which is Isaac, and Yaakov, which is Jacob. So with that, we will um, we'll end right there and we'll finish the Tobot of Yitzhak. Um, not next week, but the following week.